That was Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs playing us in. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And we are the Grizz Fan Podcast. And we are still here. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we took last week off. For your benefit. Yeah, we we needed some time. <laughs> yeah. Would have been a terrible podcast. <laughs> needed to heal and eat a lot of food. <laughs> really reflect on the year and you know gain some perspective that I don't think any of us had that 72 hours 48 hours after the Grizz suffered a devastating loss uh, to Montana State yeah oh man I mean like we talked about it going into it this was like it was it was crazy how like evenly matched when we talked about this like strengths against strengths ish and weaknesses kind of canceled out and I mean, it came down to two plays, you know, um, expertly called timeout that if not called, we would win the game, and um, next play. I still don't understand how he could stand behind the ref and look at the formation and then call a timeout. I still don't get that. Yeah. Like, I get that the coaches run out on the field to call a timeout, but you got to call it right away. He stood there and waited. Whatever. What's done is done. Yeah, it's, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it, 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 it just sucks that it came down to, like, Essentially, from one pl- opposite, you know, one to the other in terms of the two plays that we saw back to back. But there's so many moments, especially you know, as you through the fourth quarter, largely third quarter into fourth quarter, where there's a lot of other opportunities that we had. Unfortunately, this is uh, what the 2018 Grizz were. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, what's crazy is like for two weeks in a row, I said we're going to blow people out, and we blew out Idaho, and we were on track to blow out the Cats. Like we. You know, I mean, the second half all year just killed us. There were a lot of little moments throughout that game that I think in totality led us to that final fumble on the goal line. Um, We talked about maybe not completely rehashing this game, but I mean, really small things like... the touchdown they score at the end of the that, second half. Yep, at the end of the first half. Or yep, at the end half. of the first half. Yep. I mean, we gave up a personal foul that gave them some extra field position. Um, maybe that's three points instead of seven. Maybe it's zero points instead yep. of seven. No, you're right. Um, little small things like that that have nothing to do with mm. talent on the field or scheme by coaches, you know, bit us in the ass. Well, the um, we, uh, I mean, well, we missed a field goal. Yep, in the third, and then a series later, I mean, and the Cats punter was pinning us deep. Oh, they got man. out of the shadow of the end zone. Yep, and they're running that that interesting pitch to McGee, which is working, and then suddenly it didn't. <laughs> and from my angle, I thought McGee, Luke, Jerry, Jerry didn't have it. And other people pointed out to me it was, it was a, a bad, bad pitch. pitch. I mean, Snead pitched it in front of him. And it killed the drive. And so... And we never saw it again. Yeah. Which I, I think is a is a is something that's a hallmark of Halka a little bit. And that I think it's probably at a point in his career where maybe that's never going to change. But it's like that worked so many times and then they almost screwed it up. And then they never saw it again. And it's like you gotta, you gotta keep going with that stuff. I I agree with you. I I sort of think it was the right call in some respects because not throwing that pitch again throughout the game isn't the thing that lost. No, hundred percent. No, no. no. 
But but like you talk about, like it's a bunch of little things. I but mean, it's like yeah, a couple yeah. more first downs, or like even the drive right before um, halftime. Like if we would have converted a couple more first downs on that last drive, they wouldn't have been able to score a touchdown because we would have had the ball. Yeah, you know, and uh, unfortunately, a chem got hit out of bounds on that on that drive, and probably should have got a personal foul, but it didn't get called, and it is what it is. Um, two things when I when I was really worried. One was right before halftime when they scored. I think I texted. Somebody and I said, "This is the cat's game plan." Yeah, you know they they'll they'll wear you down. They'll score right before the half. Get the ball to come out of the second half, score again. They didn't obviously. We punted back and forth before they scored, but same idea. And then all of a sudden, they're back in the game. Yeah, they went for two on that second touchdown. They got it. The other thing, and I love the UM marketing department. Whoever plays the music has to stop fucking playing Cotton Eye Joe in the first half. Every time it happened this year, we lost. It's terrible. I, I texted you. You did. We we have a group text going yeah. with a couple other guys, and whenever Cotton Eye Joe gets played early, I we think lose the damn game. I can go find the text. I said, we're fucked. <laughs> <sighs> In the history of the Grizzly football <laughs> through this era, this should be the best. This will be. This would be the best footnote of all time. Hundred percent. What's Grizz. probably funny is they're they probably have something where it's like we've played it in the first half for the last sixty home games. Like, I only notice it when we lose. <laughs> that was. I still remember. Uh, a late, oh god, it was a 90s grade. I want to say it was like 97 or 98, a playoff game where we lost to Youngstown State. And we had chip shot field goal, and they played freaking Mambo number five leading into it. And uh, Chris Hepner like slips in the mud and shanks this like 30 yard kick, and we lose. Yeah. And it was just like. <clears throat> Fuck Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I knew I hated this song. <laughs> I loved it up until that point. <laughs> so if you're looking for the actual reason we lost, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to worry about anything else. No, no. Um, but you, I mean, what? You know, I'll, you got to give a little bit of credit. I mean, just like Mike, you and I in quarterback club, Bobby pointed out. I, there was a question that kind of came up, but just and. and well, for those of us that, that attend this, it's usually just kind of quick coach speak and snippets and stuff. But Bobby pointed out like the two guys that really impressed him the most were Tucker Yates and Troy Anderson, and it, it, it was kind of phrased in the line of a you know just you know these kind of things like if you know the Montana kids that you wish were on your team kind of thing. And I mean, those were the two like if you it's a team game and uh, it's the whole thing that gets you the win. But the two guys that probably put it the most on their back and put the win there for the cats. And it was those two guys. So, I mean, he expertly knew which were the two guys who were the difference makers. And, and, and Anderson is exactly who we've talked about all year. I mean, we all really like him as a football player. And we've talked about it several times on this pod, you know, and, and the cats, they've got a formula that does just enough to beat, Average football teams. Yeah. And that's what the Grizz were this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were a couple fumbles away from being seeded, which is crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were average. And, and you know, we don't single out individual players except poor Dalton Steed sometimes. I apologize. Um, you mean Dalton Steve? Yeah, Dalton Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I texted these guys over the weekend because my son was playing – uh, football in the living room, and he reenacts Grizz games, and um, he keeps calling 
Dalton's needs Steve. <laughs> and I figured it out during the cat game because you know he came. Um, which side note, he's only been to about five Grizz games, and we have a losing record. So he might be the only fan <laughs> alive right now who has a losing record going to home Grizz football games. <laughs> but I'd rather lose every game and have him with me because he has a great time. But anyway, during the cat game, like a couple times, he kept saying Steve, and I'm like, what is he talking about? And then it dawned on me that the announcer, Peter Christian, would say Sneed, and that's what he thought he was saying. So, <laughs> so our quarterback is Steve. Steve. Interestingly enough, our QB depth chart is Steve, Keenan Curran, and Jerry Louie McGee. So, <laughs> you know, he's got it all figured out. Right? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, but anyway, not to pick on any one player or anything like that, and we're not going to call it names, but... You rewatched that last play where where Eastwood fumbled, and I feel bad for Eastwood on so many levels. Uh, he didn't have a chance. Like, he should have hung onto the ball, but he wasn't scoring that play. No. The cat D-line just blew up our offensive line. Just blew them up. Entirely, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't just, like, one guy. It was, like, the whole – I mean, it was it was like rewatching the first half of the season in one play. Yep. They were there. It's frustrating me because I, after the timeout worked, all they did was call the play to the other direction. And I feel like, given that we are who we are at the end of the year, I think they should have called a different play. You know, earlier in the game, the the Solser running around the end, it was actually a fly sweep because yeah. it was kind of as a pass, scored a touchdown. You know, our speed on the ends, we talked about it last, or the last pod, you know, beat them that way. Mm-hmm. Or have... Um, Sneed fake it, keep it. I don't know. I just the one that I would have liked to see called, but there's no reason because they never called it all year. Was they should have done a uh, run out a shotgun and Sneed act like he was going to do QB draw and then pull the Tim Tebow and just jump pass it to one of our tight ends. <laughs> the end zone. They would not have expected that. <laughs> I don't know if that one's in Bobby's play. <laughs> it's a bummer. But yeah. I, I, yeah, you know, I think that just like you said, Mike, we're an average team. An average team, average teams don't win close games. And this was a Grizzly team that lost some close games. Uh, knowing that we were average is something. I mean, we suspected we were average going in to the season. Bobby kind of alluded to the fact that we might be average and mm-hmm. this year was about changing the culture more. We didn't want to believe him. We didn't want to believe him, but damn it, he was right. Well, I'm not going to say he was completely right because I think they should have done better than they did this year. But overall, I think he was right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I was guessing 6-5 and five or 7-4 and four yeah. this year and it would have been nice to be 7-4 because we would be talking about a playoff game playoff. right now. Yeah, we'd be 8-4 <laughs> and four right now. Yes, we uh, would. <laughs> And going to NDSU. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are pros and cons to not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Um, season-wise, though, you know, think about it like a baseball season. And you'll hear, because baseball, I think, is the best, like, analytical game. Like, you can look at stats, and they'll talk about, like, over a 162-game season, everything regresses back to the mean. Yeah. And... One of the things you'll hear a lot is like, oh, this team is like 22 and four in one run ball games. And they'll say, well, chances are in the second half, they're not going to win as many one run ball games. And I just feel like 
these Grizz are returning so much of their offensive talent. Basically, they're returning all of their offense minus Keenan Curran. And yeah, we probably need to make some changes in the O-line, but even if you just say the statistical analysis, like some of the breaks that went against them this year can't repeat themselves. <laughs> I mean, like we, and, and I got, I've pulled these stats from a couple different places. Um, Coulter Nuanas had an article about it. Frank Agola mentioned it a little bit, and then there's a great Egris post, believe it or not. What? Um, yeah, there's, it's titled <laughs> Trailed Only Once All Year Entering the Fourth Quarter. Um, it was started by some guy named Grizzfan95, and he made a f- table. And this is, uh, this is legitimate. There's some good stuff in here. I don't know if either of you read this, but I want to give him full credit. <laughs> um, the Grizz trailed once all year entering the fourth quarter. They went 6-4 and four this season with that lead entering the fourth quarter. So four losses um, with leads in the fourth quarter, which is just crazy. To give you some perspective, from 2010 to 2017, so not exactly the, like, you know, the best holy years, years of yeah. Grizz football, yeah. the Grizz went 60-5 and five <laughs> when tied or leading entering the fourth quarter. Um, Big Sky teams this year were 75-11 and 11 when leading entering the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. So the Grizz had four of those 11 losses. Bobby... From 03 to 09 was 77 and 5 when leading or tied entering the fourth quarter. Wow. Interestingly enough, three of those five losses were his first season in 2003. Hmm. Um, and then the other two were in the playoffs against UMass and Wofford, Wofford which Wofford. are two wow. awful games. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, 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 I just like that can't repeat itself, right? No, we were just a razor's edge away from winning three of those games. Yeah, one more sustained drive in those games. One less turnover at the end, you know? Yep. And I do think we're going to be better next year. Like, like you said, these, I mean, we're, we're returning basically everyone offensively. And these are still young, I call them kids, right? They're adults, but they're young football players. And they're still developing. I mean, you have NFL players that still get better every year. Mm -hmm. These players are going to get better. And if they're even just 10% better next year, uh, I think we win three more games and we're a seed. So you're right. It's going to change. Brent, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you would think it does. Um, And I think the points are all good. Like, I looked at a couple things. It was kind of interesting because... It's like how much of our production from this year's offense graduates, and it's like less than uh, like fifteen percent of the yards and ten uh, percent of the scores. So it's like the production side of our offense, the skill comes back. It's more seasoned. It's um, you know these guys have the experience now. It was something I was actually just talking to Mike about this, and I still can't remember the phrase. But uh, in watching the uh, USC Notre Dame game, uh, Kirk Herbstreet made a comment about Notre Dame holding a lot of leads into the fourth quarter and blowing them. USC, USC, yep. And um, he, it, it was basically a reference to the mental toughness of younger players in their college career 
versus older players in their college career. And so when you start to look at, I mean, everyone knows we are a young team. And when you start to go down the list, I mean, um, so we had, you know, one-ish starting senior with Keenan Curran that would rotate in. Defense had a little bit more, but we also had some freshmen and sophomore. You know, we had an offensive line that had one junior, a bunch of, and then a bunch of sophomores and freshmen on it, um, and some conversion guys and things like that. It's it, it's kind of one of these things where when you throw that many young guys into a situation, you're gonna you're gonna see this type of stuff pop up. And so, unfortunately, it was like the perfect storm yep. of all these coach analogies of young guys and this and that. And it's and cliche, and but. it's a little bit of excuse making, but it's also like. Look around the big sky. Like take Weber three years ago. Like this was basically the season they had. Yeah. And then the last two years, they've been one of the best teams in the big sky. You know, it's like it is conceivable that our young guys can get better. Now we need to fill a couple holes. But honestly, even if we got no new offensive linemen and just got a couple guys back from injury, I still have to think our offensive line is better next year than it was for most of this year, just by virtue of. Experience, if nothing else. Experience. We'll get guys back, too, because we had a few guys out for the season. So You know, and it's tough to say after them just getting blown up on that last play, but they actually played better the last three games. Yep. Like, Snead threw for 354 yards. He had time to throw. Yep. Like they gave him chances this game. We ran the ball well. Snead ran the ball well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just... It, 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 you talk about scoring and stuff, too. Like, you look at the numbers... Every quarter, the Grizz scored less points on offense. And defensively, uh, oddly, was really good in the third quarter. Um, really bad in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just kind of the sign. It, 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 this isn't anything that any Grizz fan is, like, surprised by. Like, we saw this. You could see the recipes for how the Grizz would lose a game, and it would be clinging to a lead not and not being able to put an opponent away in the fourth. And then just a couple mistakes and come right back in. And then it seems like as, like we saw in the Cat game, like we saw in plenty of the other games of losses as well, you know, it seems like once those gates opened, the team was unable to kind of fortify and rebuild themselves back up and make another stop that was needed. Yeah. Just by those stats I just read, and, and the other poster on, on Egris that came up with a bunch of those stats, some guy named U of M Man 1122. So want to give those guys credit for <laughs> not stealing your work, giving you full credit. But, you know, those stats talking about the their records in each year and, and things like that, I mean, just looking at that alone, like, it would be a historical, like, repeated occurrence for the Grizz to manage to do what they did this year again next year. Yeah. Like, I hate to say the stats are on our side, but you got to feel at least somewhat like they're going to overcome this. The alternative explanation is that the Grizz are just shitty (laughs) and Bobby's just a shitty coach. And I don't think that's true. I think there's enough evidence to say that we have talent and Bobby knows what he's doing as a coach. He's not an unknown. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And, and I mean, we're seeing that now. Like the early returns and the verbals on the recruit, the recruiting side. Um, it, it, I mean, it, you don't get this feel of it's a game that's passed him by. You know, so um, it is kind of interesting. And as someone had kind of pointed out, like with the <laughs> this is the. This feels so weird to be talking about this as a as a Grizz fan, but like this is the toughest game we gave the Cats in three years, right? Yeah, I and, think we talked about this. And so it's like Cat fans 
rightfully celebrating three in a row. Uh, got to the playoffs for the first time with Choate. Good for them. But it's like the worst Grizzly football team. I don't. 2012 was such a weird year with the NCAA stuff. But like one of the two worst Grizzly football teams since the 80s uh, was a well-called timeout away from beating them. So it's like if this is kind of the bottom and that you're going to build up from, it would seem like there's a lot better days on the horizon. It sucks, you know. I, I this this winter is going to be terrible and spring conditioning and uh, winter conditioning and spring ball, it's going to be brutal, but you you do feel like it's building for a bigger and better thing and like they're headed in the right direction. It definitely feels like it. And motivation is a thing that, you know, is momentum real is mo- you need things to motivate you and it's like Making the playoffs and getting two extra weeks of practice probably would have been a great thing for this team. But at the end of the day, we've said it a million times, they weren't winning the national championship this year. And our second round game would have inevitably been the ass kicking the Cats are going to get at North Dakota State. <laughs> so pros and cons to that. But the, the flip side of that is like, you talk about overcoming adversity, and I'm using air quotes because in sports, adversity really is not. Adversity, but you know, it's not real life. It's it's not real life (laughs) adversity, but these guys know how close they were, right? Yeah, they know it was one fumble at the cat game, they know it was one fumble at Western Illinois, they know it was a fumble by Curran against Portland Portland. State. Yeah, you know, they know that it's like they're this close to turning that corner, and you got to think like that's a ton of motivation for these guys to not give up, not quit, get better believe in what the coaches are doing uh you know yeah there's going to be shortcomings yeah we were outscored something awful in the fourth quarter um i was scored by uh 62 points to be precise and every other quarter we no, let i'm sorry it was uh yeah 62 yeah sorry 62 59 of those 62 were in our losses and we, what did we score in the fourth quarter? It wasn't good at all. It wasn't good. Let's see. I got it in front. Well, so Grizz were outscored one thirty-four to seventy-two, almost doubled up. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they you have to. Have... They won every other quarter. <laughs> yeah. They did. I mean, by big margins: one sixteen to seventy-two, one hundred two to sixty, eighty-three to forty-eight, and then it flipped seventy-two to one thirty-four. So I think it's two things, and it's probably more one than the other. But I don't think it's. I don't think there's one explanation. I think that they're young and we have no depth. I think that was a bigger issue that people probably don't realize is like, not only was the O-line inexperienced, but there's nobody else to rotate in. D-line really the same way, a little bit less, but it's like the guys, the starters played. You know, Jace Lewis rotated in for the linebackers, and Robinson, number two, rotated in for the safeties. But other than that, yeah, we didn't do a lot of rotating. Like, cornerback, unless one of our guys got in trouble, <laughs> they never got pulled. Yeah. So I think that we were we were definitely young. We were inexperienced. We didn't have depth. We got worn out. And I think that's the biggest factor. I also think that there's a little bit of uh, Bobby Houck, Tim Rosenbaugh, second half, trying to play not to lose. I think that if you look at those breakdowns, and, and so many of those games we came out and our scripted plays worked really well, and then we kind of went away from them. Like how many times on this pod do we talk about, like, this was working for us and we stopped doing it? You know, like three tight ends against... Uh, pitching the ball to Jerry Pitching the ball to, Yeah, I mean... Going just, tempo. <laughs> yeah, going tempo, exactly. And, and obviously defensive teams make adjustments, but 
we didn't seem to make the adjustments. We seemed to go back to a vanilla base offense. And I, I think that's kind of a shame, especially because Sneed, who I've picked on a lot, and I still think has some shortcomings, when the coaches finally started calling plays to make him throw the ball down the field more to take advantage of a cam, that changed our offense. Absolutely. Because yeah. defenses couldn't just sit there and dare Sneed to beat them throwing because he was doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that, that emergence of a cam in this offense, I mean, he finished, what, with uh, 13 receiving touchdowns, which I think is the best in the big sky. Yeah, for a second-team wide receiver. For second team. We're going to talk about that in a bit, I think. <laughs> we uh, but it's like that was – you've got all these these um, nuggets from the season that you really like to take away. And, I mean, Akem last year had, what, one and a half good games. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was he was trying to catch the ball with his body, had a lot of drops, um, inconsistent up and down. And a massive improvement as a sophomore. So you got two more years of this guy mossing everybody in the secondary. And um, and it really it helped that passing game so much. Even because, I mean, you guys were at that Idaho game. And it was uh, that that deep shot to him allowed Sneed to to run. And it, it opened up lanes for even uh, Eastwood and some of these other guys to to find some running lanes and things like that. Because all of a sudden, when you had to start respecting that deep pass, those safeties can't sit seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage, and it changed the game. He had some some good games in the first half of the season, but his second half of the season, eight catches, 124 yards, two touchdowns in North Dakota, nine catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns in Davis, five catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns in Southern Utah, six catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns in Idaho, six catches, 147 yards in a touchdown against Montana State. Yeah. I haven't been that excited, this excited about a player of ours in a long time. You know what I mean? Um, I think that every kind of generational Grizz team, every every four or five years, there's a guy who you're like, like Mariani, his senior year. That's exactly yeah. who I was going to talk about. That's yeah. like you knew, like, get he, the ball that guy. He took a leap. Yep. I mean, literally and figuratively, right? Like, But see, this is the interesting thing. So, like... I watched a lot of practices, and Mariani has a walk-on. You could, you could see, you could see it coming, kind of, because it was like he caught everything that came his way. He was just like a little dude, like he, you know, he didn't have he didn't have the weight room in him yet, and he just didn't have the confidence in the system. But he did like what was it, his sophomore year was like an okay-ish kind of year, and then junior year was just like boom, and. Uh, it, the funny thing was, like, a chem last year, I I didn't get that feel with Sammy where it was like, this guy is going to be whatever the hell yards he had. What was his yards this year? I didn't even check. It I was mean, 800 and... 800 yards and 13 touchdowns. I was thinking he's going to be, like, 506, you know, or something. Like, just kind of do that gradual improvement. And he just, like, exploded as a sophomore. Well, I, I think that... He had all the physical skills. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's 6'4", long arms, can jump. I mean, I think that whereas Mariani could catch everything right. and didn't have the physicality, I think it might be vice versa. Yeah. Akem is crazy athletic. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he made the switch because I think it's hard to explain what he was last year 
because he was good and you knew the talent was there. But he was young and it was almost like he was kind of learning how to play the game, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I remember him dropping a bunch of jump balls in the end zone. Yeah, like he, and even like, earlier this he year, he had kind of five more it. touchdowns last year. <laughs> yeah, like it was like the physical part of the game he didn't get yet. Yeah. Like he was not used to being challenged that way. And credit to Brent Pease, honestly, because in, in fall camp, he beat the hell out of the receivers with yeah. dr- drills on like hitting them with bags as they're trying to catch it and stuff like that. And we never saw that previously. Yeah. And I think that Akem had like clicked with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Akem definitely was the biggest, uh, responded the best to um, to Pease's coaching. And I mean, it's, it's obviously evident how that, that it worked out great. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's been great to see, and it's it's going to be fascinating because obviously, so we're going to be opening a season where um, Sneed's got all his receivers back outside of Keenan Curran, but you're going to add in some of these younger guys. Uh, yeah, Ronald, I mean, I love Keenan, but if there's one position where we can deal with a graduate and be all right. It's going to be receiver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got Flowers, you've got Roberts, you've got. I mean, all these other guys that are coming in that, that they like as well, too. And it's 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 clear that they're going to be able to reload at that position. But, I mean, Sammy's going to be target number one. The guy. Outside of the amazing development of Sammy, um, the other thing that gets me really excited about next year is just the last three games we saw Dalton Sneed. Um, different QB. Different QB. Every, I mean... My bobcat, fan, my bobcat friends uh, have a lot of hate to distribute to Dalton Sneed, but he, why? Why? Yeah, <laughs> you know, because they're stupid ass bobcat fans. <laughs> but the criticisms lev- levied at Sneed have to do with, you know, he, he doesn't make progressions well enough, right? He takes off too early. Maybe he doesn't do the best at the read option. Um, he couldn't throw the ball down the field, right? Well, if he gets just subtly better at those first few things, I think he might be an all-conference quarterback next year because he developed the down-the-field throwing. Or he demonstrated that the last three games. He's another guy who's still getting better. And we can expect probably even a, a greater year from him next year. I hope you're right. I mean... And I will say anything's possible because I didn't think he had kind of the downfield passing in him like he's shown us he could do. He still isn't wildly accurate on the intermediate stuff. And it's like you can't just look at the completion percentage because part of accuracy, I mean, he may be completing the pass, but it's like where you put the ball. And um, watching Michigan, Ohio State this weekend, one of the color announcers was talking about basically how uh, the – Completion percentages are are um, only to only tell half the story, and yards after catch is another big part of it. Yards mm-hmm. per and he talked about he they, they said um, timing plus ball placement equals yards after catch. And sure. if there's one thing that I think Steve needs to work on in the off season, it's place those balls in front of these receivers where they can take it and do some damage. Yeah. Like, you put the ball in front of Jerry Lou McGee or in front of Torrey or in front of Sulcer rather than kind of behind them where they make the catch where they can't do anything else. Like, think of that Idaho game with Sulcer's touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
you get it to him. That was almost in throw behind him. It was a blown coverage, but it's like you get him where he can catch in stride and still be running, and he doesn't have to slow down, like on a crossing route or something like that. And the defender's not going to be able to catch up with him for another 10 yards and get safety help. Like, yeah. Those things make a big difference. So if there's one thing I'd love to see him improve on in the offseason, it's that. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at – so it was, it was kind of interesting because I looked at the statistics later with the big sky. Of course, Dalton Sneed was third in passing. But the way they kind of put this metric together, I think you have to have played, like, more than eight games. So it, like, kicked out – Cookus and um, um, gosh, the Gobert, and so it's like, so Dalton Sneed was third in passing with almost two fifty per game, and the fourth guy was uh, Mason Petrino at one seventy seven <laughs> per game. So it's like, okay, the this is the, for oddly enough, this was not a passing year in the Big Sky. Interesting, but yeah, because it was fascinating because it's like you had uh, you had basically Jake Meyer the. Conference MVP thrown for 308 yards per game. Tanner Geller thrown to his brother for 282 yards per game, and then Dalton Sneed at 250. Uh, the intre- you know you go to you flip it over to total offense, and Tanner Geller, Tanner Geller led that category with 315 yards per game. Dalton Sneed was second with 309 yards per game total offense. Of course, so you know the ability to run opens that up. God, but if we could get 150 yards on the ground outside of Sneed, think of how good our offense. could be. Oh my God! If you could put that, if you could get like split 150 yards rushing between two backs and have Snead add 50 to 75 per game, I mean, take 50. Yeah, 50. I mean, and that was the thing. It's like at, at Snead won one newcomer of the year, rightfully so. 100. I mean, like, you look at these stats. You look at what he did as for first the team, called for on Grisband as yeah, and <laughs> right here uh, and um, like next year. Because Tanner Geller graduates, so it's going to be Jake Myers going to open the conference as the as the MVP, the rating, right? But uh, Dalton's going to be right there, and so th- this is going to be the talk of the QBs because there's a lot of young QBs now. You're going to have both Dalton and Jake Meyer are seniors, and then you've got this uh, Eric. What, how do you say a barrier or whatever? The new Eastern quarterback who you know they just snapped in and he kicks ass automatically. Did he of win course. third team? Yeah. I think he did, didn't he? I, can't. I, I think he did. Yeah, of course, then Troy Anderson, the the the, the whatever, you know, I don't know, QB. I mean, he got, did he get first team, right? He got first team. Troy, yeah, they added a second QB position, which it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, Troy Anderson is not a good QB, but you have zero problem saying he's all Big Sky first team. Because no. Oh, God, no, yeah. He is as just Troy Anderson, the football player. Yeah. Right? I, the football guy. I think that the, there needs to be an award after <laughs> Troy Anderson, where it's just like the, the player who just stepped <laughs> up and did the most for a team. I, I don't know how, how to say this, but it's like in the craziest way was like the pivotal person on a team. I don't know. Maybe yep. that's... Maybe it's team MVP or something. <laughs> Maybe that but, already exists. No, I because he is. I mean, like, there's. I don't think there's a more valuable person to a team than Troy Anderson of the Cats. No, I mean, because you look at like even Davis. Like they had a running back that ran for damn near a thousand yards and caught for four hundred or five hundred. I mean, it's like they, they all these other teams had guys they spread out across, and the Cats had Anderson. Would we be talking about Anderson if Choate could recruit? 
I think we'd be talking about him in the same we know sense him? as uh, Dante Olson. But would we know him at all? Yeah. I think we'd know him because, yeah. like last year, he didn't play quarterback, but he still scored. Was it two touchdowns yeah. against the Grizz yeah, 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 in the Cat yeah, Grizz yeah, game? Yeah. So it's like he'd be a badass linebacker who played fifteen plays on offense a game. So we'd know him. Yeah, because we knew him last year. I was thinking if he just played linebacker. Right now, today, he wouldn't be the best linebacker in the conference. Right? As a sophomore? Oh, man, that's a tough so, call. Because, I, I mean, I can't see... Like, I'd put him right there Dante with Dante Olsen, Olsen, Josh I would. Buss. The trick is, is like, I, I need to see more of him playing linebacker. Yeah. It was the thing, it's like, because we've seen Josh Buss and Dante Olsen all year. Now, could I see... Buss or Olsen doing what Troy Anderson did at quarterback? No. No, right? No, they don't have that speed that he has, I don't think. Like, that breakaway, just pull away from guys' speed. So it's like, and just the, the physical, but we don't see Dante Olsen and Josh Buss running the football. We see them tackling guys. And Which, why not? Away. Why didn't we see more of that? Oh my God. I would have loved <laughs> Right? I mean, I... It takes a special kind of athlete to do what Troy Anderson is doing. Oh, yeah. But I think Josh Buss might be every bit as fast as Troy Anderson. And, I mean, in some weird parallel universe, it'd be great to see Bobby Howe just say, like, fuck it, we're going to put Josh Buss back here and run four quarterback keepers and see what happens. Just see what happens here. And say, you know what, Choate, you're not the only one that can be weird. <laughs> but I, I wonder, like, I think we would know he's... A star linebacker, but would we be like we wouldn't no. even we wouldn't You're even right. know the extent of his athleticism? You're right. If the Cats had their shit together the, recruiting quarterbacks, no. You're right. Troy Anderson has a four five three forty yard dash. Holy shit! Josh Buss has a four six three. Okay. According to Where are you getting very on fast the, Google on searches, the Mike Nugent scale of fast, the, both of them are great. That's. <laughs> The okay. Bozeman Daily Chronicle and um, DraftScout.com. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a quick funny story? <laughs> when I was in high school playing football, we had the 40-yard dash, you know, at the, the beginning part of the year, which I have no effing clue. Like, high school coaches need to kind of have a rough estimate of who's... In like, Shelby. <laughs> in Shelby, right? Because, like, you just kind of know who's going to be your players. Like, right. the results are on the field. Uh, we some of the players used to strip down to their jock straps and run the forty, uh, just to lose extra ounces, <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, feels a little unnecessary, but I don't know. Feels totally unnecessary. <laughs> I was not one of those players. <laughs> but uh, one year in between undergrad and grad school, I went uh, back to Shelby and I was a substitute teacher, and we had a new football coach. And they had a weight room, a uh, brand new weight room built. It wasn't fancy, but it was new. <laughs> and they had, like, all of these records up for the team, like, all their standards on, like, basically the, the Shelby Coyote Combine. Mm -hmm. And the coach had, like, four players running under a 4640. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of the kids on the team apparently ran like a 445 or something and I remember just looking at that board. So the coach had a quick quick stopwatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking, well, 
Shelby is the new South Florida for like a hotbed of speed. <laughs> We're just gonna be running sweeps all season long. Um, I might cut this part from the pod, but <laughs> I need to tell you guys. It's an interesting story. Okay, so that's fast though. Yeah, I mean now that's you know. Bozeman Chronicle reporting Anderson's high school speed, hand timed by his. But he coach. ran track, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Didn't yeah. He? yeah. So you get you can put and, a little bit more legitimacy in the guys who had track times because yeah. they were, and buses is probably something they gleaned off of something. This is a, you know some sort of draft scout website. So yeah, yeah. tough to say. So let's uh, switch to the All Big Sky teams um, because. That process sucks. If you've followed me on Twitter for a couple of years, I tell the Big Sky Conference about it because it's terrible. It's awful. I Do mean, we know the methodology? Yeah. My understanding is that all the coaches get on a conference call and lobby for their players. Oh, I would love to be a fly on the wall. But it sucks because we have 13 teams in the league, so it's like teams haven't, haven't, There's... They haven't seen everybody. And the perfect example is... Olsen got passed over for Defensive Player of the Year, which whatever. Maybe he wasn't Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Sky. Whatever. He wasn't a unanimous first-team linebacker. With 151 tackles. Yeah. And there are two guys from the Big Sky Conference on the Buchanan uh, watch list or final list. Neither one of them won the Defensive Player of the Year award. Some guy from Eastern Washington's D-line. I, I just don't. I don't. Brent, talk some sense into this. I can't talk any sense into this. I uh, I still, you know, I um, had a little Twitter freak out a few years ago when Tyrone Holmes did not win defensive MVP, went on to win the Buchanan, yeah. and uh, wound up getting emails from an employee within the Big Sky about my tweets. Seriously? <laughs> really? I always wonder if they're paying attention. Did you respond back to him and say, this is stupid? Yeah, well, uh, uh, I will say, yeah, so... It, it wasn't like, like you need to shut up and respect the process, but it was like, look, this is how this is how this happens, and this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because it was the Southern Utah guy that got, like, the career hey, award. No blah, blah, blah. What did they say? <laughs> what, what, I, I mean, the fact that they had to send that email, like, if you have to well, explain it, then you're wrong. So what they said was essentially the thing. It was like, you have 13 people voting, you see seven of the 13 teams, you have your own... There's so it's a lot of times it's a lobbying effort and guys a lot of times in that year was it Krauser was that his name I think so it was yeah. it was like they will look at the the career versus the season and I was like look that's just but that's crap that's I mean, just bullshit and <laughs> that I mean it's just pure crap um, and. The sorry, pod baby just crawled in and made an appearance. So great. James with the save. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice work by Heavy play by James. Yeah. It's like that. Uh, remember who was the Giants manager in the World Series way back when Bonds played? Um, Dusty Baker. Dusty, yeah. Baker. Dusty Baker's like young kids were the Bat Boys. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And there's like some guy oh, hits right. a triple and like the somebody's on second base and 
the young kid bat boys like wandering out there and like i think maybe jt snow or someone like scores and then scoops the kid up to get him out of the way <laughs> great great play there james <laughs> um interestingly enough shifting back to to the to the big sky the funny thing is when olsen didn't get the player of the year award um i tweeted maybe we're gonna have a repeat of a grizz guy getting stiffed for Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, but winning the Buchanan Award. Which I'd be fine with. And you know who liked my tweet? Tyrone Holmes. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's, it's like clearly he still remembers getting passed over for Big Sky Player of the Year, and he should. But I mean, you look at like, so you, like, we, we, we've we talked a lot about Sammy Akem. And so Nasimba Webster, senior, Eastern Washington. I don't have his stats in front of me, but I recall the Twitter conversation couple hundred more yards than Sammy, but like five or six less touchdowns. And mm-hmm. it's just like, again, you know, you get these things. I, I think a lot of these big side voters say, well, he's a sophomore and Nassimba's a senior. Chance. Which is stupid because that's go. not the point. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and so it's, it's just... And of course, then they'll point. Well, you know, we gave Troy uh, Anderson and Elijah Dotson and and some of these other guys, Josh Davis, a freshman. But they're on the first team, so. But I don't know. It just seems like some of this voting is just uh, silly. Like it, it, I don't know. But so we've got Dante Olson's a first team linebacker. Should have been defensive MVP. Yeah. But that's the way it goes. You know, Sneed, newcomer of the year, um, makes sense. He got honorable mention at QB. But the third team QB, like I said earlier, was this Eric Berrier from Eastern Washington who played like, who came in at least three games into the Big Sky season, right? Yeah, yeah. Two at the most? I, I mean, and had at least one real bad game in there. Lost a Weaver? Yeah, I mean, Grant Sneed had... A couple. But it's <laughs> more than one bad game. Yeah. But still, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know, like the whole picture. But it's just like, if we're, this is, my my complaint about the Big Sky on this 13 teams is, if this is who we're going to be, and it clearly is, we need to figure out better ways to deal with this. Yeah, I agree. Because every year, you know, with like, this year's like the one exception where like a really weak team goes undefeated and, and shares the Big Sky title. Yeah. You know, and it's like we didn't get that this year, but it's like they vote on these teams and the coaches have not even seen half of the players. Like it's just it's not fair to the players. It's really not. No, and that's like the big thing. It's just yeah, like how can you vote on a guy that maybe you watch on a little bit of game film for one or two games cuz you're scouting the opponent that he's playing against. You're just looking at his weaknesses usually. Yeah. You know? You're picking on his weaknesses. So. And I, I've often thought maybe there's something the Big Sky Conference can do to do a real quick rating system after each game. Like, you know, make the coaches pick the, the three best defensive players on the opposing team, three best offensive players on the opposing team. And I don't, I don't know, you know, and then wait it at the end of the year. I don't know, but there's got to be some better way to do this. Could you only vote on the players that you saw and then find a way yeah. to... Yep, because it would balance out in the sense that every coach would see X number of players and everybody would have to play everybody. So it's like, but then you still yeah. run into problems. Like, there's no perfect solution. It just sucks. Yeah, it does. It sucks. And the only thing I can think of is, like, I, at this point, I almost feel like the teams, what do we have, 13? And is it you know, yeah. seven teams to have an auto bid, or is it eight, do you know? I don't know. 
let's say it's seven. They need to go find one more team, and they need to split the team into two conferences. Whether you, I mean, I don't think you can do a conference championship. We talked about that, but call it the Big Sky North and the Big Sky South. Have two auto bids. Have everybody in the Big Sky North play each other, and then play two guys from the other side. You've got a full schedule, but then you're all Big Sky South and all Big Sky North. Yeah. I also would secretly love that because when you win the Big Sky North Championship, you get to say, King of the North! <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Oh. Yeah, that's, that's another good reason to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, like, and one of the final takeaways, I mean, and, and this is kind of something, again, kind of peeling it back into next year, the majority of Grizz players that receive some sort of recognition or award come back come next back. year. And so, again, that, that's more of that. Dante Olson's a junior this year. He'll be a senior. Samuel will be a junior. Jerry Lou McGee will be a senior. Jace Lewis is going to be a junior. Jesse Sims is going to be a senior. Uh, Sneed, of course, senior. Tim Semenza, senior. Uh, Robbie Houck is going to be a sophomore. It's like all these guys come back, all these guys that are recognized. So it's like you've got guys where other coaches are recognizing that talent that you can build around, and some of these guys aren't even going to graduate next year. So it's like, Speaking yeah. of guys that got stuff, Robbie Houck was honorable mention in safety. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like Robbie Houck had his strengths and weaknesses, but wasn't he like second in the league in tackles? Yeah, he finished, uh, not, not second. I, I, I wrote it down somewhere. He fifth with 95 tackles, though. I mean... It's like, that's got to be at least third team, right? <sighs> so... But yeah, he's got some he's got some <laughs> angle issues. He has some angle issues that freshmen make. Who right? who will the Grizz have the hardest time replacing next year? Well, it's got to be Boss because Josh Boss. Well, yeah. Well, you. I think I know where you're going no, with this, though. I I would. Okay, so obviously, in terms of pure lost talent, Josh Boss. Right? No way. Yeah. No way. No like there. Jace Lewis. He's going to be great. second team special teams. He finished like fifth or sixth in tackles. Like, Jace Lewis is a stud, and he's going to be great. But Josh Buss, it really seems like he's a, a rare find of talent at linebacker. But you replace him with productivity. But I think the bigger loss is going to be on the D-line side. I was just going to say, Luke, can I guess who you're thinking? Yeah. You're thinking David Shaw. David Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we just don't have that, that big body now. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. The argument, I think, that goes against Dante Olson is that he earned all these tackles because we had some interior linemen taking up one or two blocks. It was yeah. a system. It was a system, right? And if if that's true. It's and Chode even all but said UM pads their stats. Like, he all but said it before the game. <laughs> yep, yep. So that means if it's true... That we're really gonna miss some interior linemen. Well, we lose two. We lose Tillman, who, you know, obviously won a won a team award for inspirational and selfless play. You know, a little bit of a weak spot, and then Shaw, who's just the big body. You know, um, not the numbers guy. So Sims comes back. Who replaces? I don't know that he's on the team. Like the. I, well, so obviously Kyle Davis graduates too. Yep. Eli Alford, freshman. Not a cousin. Not, not a cousin. No, <laughs> no relation. Um, you know, he's listed at 6'1, 285. Could he come in at 295, 300? I mean, does, is that going to matter? Um, 
you know, Alex Gubner, another near 300-pound guy, I don't think played a down this year. I don't know. I, I don't recognize um, the name. That's it. True freshman or redshirt freshman? Uh, true freshman, right? Yeah, true freshman. So uh, I'm glad it's a true freshman because if he, if these guys were redshirt freshmen, like if they were eligible, unless they were overcoming an injury yeah. and they didn't play it all this year, you have to think that the coaches don't think they've got it. Yeah. Right? Because we were young and we didn't have depth. I mean, so that's that's our DT right now. We have Governor at 6'3", 295. We have Alford at 6'1", 285. That's it. Now, we have a converted DT playing O-line, Eastai Longoria. And if this O-line seems to get itself solved, which Longoria didn't play a damn down, maybe you roll him back over. Cy Sermon was playing guard, and he was a converted. I think Cy Sermon is going to be starting on the O-line for us next year, though. I don't know. That's my guess. And then, you know, Braden Deming. But Deming's not a Deming's not a nose. He's an end in this system, number 93. And actually, as the backups of the backup linemen, there's a point where he was leading the D linemen in, like, sacks. Who's you know? the guy? Didn't we switch over Longoria to offensive line? And yeah, yeah, that's what I just said. You that just one. said that. Yeah. And wasn't there another guy we switched over to? Yeah, but he, like, quit the team. He quit. Okay. There was two. Because there were a couple D linemen that we Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. I, I, I was thinking you said. Yeah. Who got switched to fullback? Latexier. Latexier. Okay. Yeah, I was. Trace, sorry. Yeah, the, I, you had said Longoria, and I was thinking of Trace, but he was a fullback. Kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, I agree. With, I mean, that that big no, the, the, the big 300 pound, the next David Shaw might not be on this team right now. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because for all, like, it, you could highlight position groups, but and I think that we would all agree that O-line was probably our weakest position group this year. Yeah. But interestingly enough, like, uh, we're talking about, oh, we need to get some transfers and stuff like that. If we go into next year with these position groups exactly as they are right now, just guys a year older... You guys think we're better off on O-line than D-line. D-line, we need some more bodies. Yeah, because you'll have Sims as a senior, and then you'll have Deming opposite of him. Yep. And then your middle is like, well, Alfred or whatever. Maybe we don't even play the the three two five or whatever next year. Maybe we switch up to something else. <laughs> a two-man two yeah. front. Uh, yeah, <laughs> two-man front, two linebackers. Or whatever. But, I mean, and uh, that's like, so as you start to look at, like, the defense, the defensive line that you're ahead, you know, so we had the edge, and um, it was basically Jed Nagler and R.J. Nelson, who, young guys, again, two, uh, what, a redshirt freshman and a redshirt sophomore, I think, right? Mm-hmm. So young guys, one changing from receiver to the end. Um, you know, the production really wasn't there. Uh, meanwhile, the guy who was presumed to be the heir apparent is still in the playoffs at Duquesne. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, you know, it, it, it's good. You're building for the future here. Uh, but so, I mean, that's another spot, too, where it's like those guys return, but one of the two of them or both has to, because you look at, so you go down the road, you look at, Bryce Bryce Sterk, number thirty seven for the Cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's a freaking wrecking crew, and yeah. he's that stand up edge, play some linebacker, can play in space, can rush, and like that's what that edge needs to be. And we didn't have that this year, not because I don't think Nelson is bad or Nagler is bad. They're just young and inexperienced. Yeah. So one of those two guys or both, that'd be awesome. Really needs to take that big leap as well too. It's going to be interesting. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point, Luke. 
Who's our kicker? Well, uh, <laughs> we got a bunch. We got a back. bunch. My hunch is that our kicker's not on the roster either. Yeah. Um, the kid from Butte, I think, has a good chance to take our punting job. Mm-hmm. Is this Ferguson? Is that his name? Um, uh, he sure. redshirted this year. Oh. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So I think, he's got a, I think he's got a decent chance to take our punting job. I mean, Semenza was okay, but I... I have to wonder if we're not um, well, looking for a kicker. I mean, it, it's interesting with kicker because it's like, Semenza opened the season 10 for 10, right? He didn't really have a long attempt, but, I mean, he made the kicks he needed to make. He missed plenty of extra points, again. But, uh, you know, Brandon Purdy is listed as a roster guy. I was a redshirt junior, so he's going to be a redshirt senior next year. I didn't suit up. I don't know... Yeah, what the story is. We also have the uh, Gabe Peppinger who had to sit this year because he transferred in. Uh, I think are you thinking of the Adam Wilson, the kid that did the kickoffs? No, no, he. I mean, he could be the punter as well, or was he a senior? Wilson, he's a junior. Yeah. So we got one more year. No, I don't even know if the kid's on the roster. But you could be right. He was a guy from Butte. I think his last name was Ferguson. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you could be right. Yeah. And they recruited him as an athlete slash punter. So that was like the rugby guy too, or is that That's the rugby guy is the kid who was doing kickoffs this year. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of interesting because you look at traditional Bobby teams, you need a great kicker, you need a great O line, and you need a great running back. And that's like the three things it's like can this O line get good? Who's the running back? Is it Eastwood? Is the running back not on the roster right now? Is it one of these young guys? Who the hell's the kicker? Yeah. You know? So that's that's like the big things that we're gonna be watching. I mean, yeah, they, I don't, they've got guys on the roster. I just don't know if they're I think that they're gonna pull a couple drop downs out of a hat that we don't realize. Like who knows? I mean I I all but guarantee you that they're not gonna go in next year. With just Eastwood and two freshmen on the running back depth chart, no right? Way. No way. I mean, yeah. no. Do we think Cam Humphreys is going to be here next year? That's a tough call because he's already redshirted, and he was at a JUCO. So if he transfers, he's sitting out. But like I, I that's so. that's bigger on my recruiting list. I've said it a couple times. Like, even if they're not starting next year, I mean, like I think we need a quarterback because Snead's a senior next year. And Humphreys had moments where he looked all right, and then he had moments where he looked, eh. But you really can't judge somebody based on stuff like that. I don't think I saw enough of him to really know what his potential is. Yeah, but either way, they they need another guy <laughs> to compete. I mean, your quarterbacks that you've got, so you've got obviously Garrett Graves, who ran the ball a bit. That He's going to be this kind of this interesting... What's going to happen with him? Like, can he, does he have the arm to be an FCS quarterback? Obviously, the Bobcats prove maybe that doesn't matter, but that's not Bobby's <laughs> type of offense. Um, you know, Tanner Wilson's a redshirt freshman. Could he develop into a guy? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, Wheeler Harris, a walk on that was on Alabama's practice squad. Um, Seamus Hennessy? I don't know. I don't even know who Seamus Hennessy is. I, you know, I just... Like, I follow this pretty closely. <laughs> I literally don't recall ever seeing him in practice. <laughs> right? Do you? I mean, tell me yeah. you're wrong. No, no. I, 
I mean, I would remember Seamus Hennessy as a great name. Because <laughs> you're a big Hennessy drinker. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Irish, Seamus. I mean, like, I just, I would have remembered that name. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, you don't, like, you've always felt like when Gresh Jensen was on the roster, that was like the next guy. When, the, when it opens up, he's the guy. Or you go down the list, and it's like, there's always this guy... <laughs> You know, uh, the, 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 you know, well, prior Bobby. Yeah. Cole Berkowitz was the starter. Andrew Sell was the next guy they were grooming. And it was yep. just like this, like, progression of things. But Bobby's always said he wants one QB in every class. I know they've, they've got that Bozeman QB as a commitment. And he said he's coming in as a QB. Right. I mean, I'd like to see them get two QBs in this class just so they've got a bunch of guys who can compete the year after. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. But, like, you look at that that scholarship, it's like, are you going to burn a, a half or a full to get a third-string QB right now? Or are you going to do that to get a starting DT or a, a sophomore transfer kicker? Or, uh, I don't know. Bobby's spending a full on a kicker. Sorry. I, I should never. <laughs> <laughs> um, tough call, but... This is going to be the first year in several years where we had the same QB start every game, right? Uh, first time since 2014, right? At least. Yeah, 2014 or 2013. Stitt never had Stitt the same never QB. had one in his three never. years. Never. Um, Delaney and Johnson. Johnson the, graduated. There was he, he sat out a game his senior year, so. Yeah, he sat out a, I was going to say, in 13 or 14, he sat out one game. I can't remember which it was, yeah. but yeah, so. But, you know, I mean, um, you, you kind of look at this. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of returning talent. Um, 14 of the top 20 tacklers on defense return. Um, two-thirds of the sacks, tackles for loss, turnovers forced. They all come back. So it's like the guys that were doing a lot of the stuff that got us to the point we're at, return, it, you feel like, with some exceptions, D-line, I think this is a perfect segue yeah. to what I want to talk about after the break, and that is I want to talk a little bit about next year. I've got the schedule pulled up and a little bit about expectations. Yeah. But before we do that, we need to talk about the smooth operator. Now, I learned a couple interesting things this weekend. What did you learn? So I have a sister that lives in Butte, Okay. and her and her fiancé are regulars at the Cavalier Lounge. Well, there you go. She is not the sister that listens to the pod, or I would have known this a long time ago. <laughs> Do you have a sister that doesn't listen to the pod? I know. I know. It's weird. <laughs> so we're talking about the great Hotel Finland in Butte, Montana. Proud pod sponsors, the Hotel Finland. It's a great hotel in Uptown Butte. They have renovated this classic building. Uh, they have cheap rooms. And if you're going to stay in Butte for a night, maybe two, there's no better place to stay than the Hotel Finland. Hotel Finland. You can find them at hotelfinland.com. F-I-N-L-E-N.com. What did your sister have to say about the smooth operator in the Cavalier Lounge? She said she doesn't like fruity beer and she hasn't tried it yet. But the bartender told her it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Bart. Bartenders are not the types that will bullshit you, No, right? it, like, it's straightforward. I think that that bartender would have told her if it was a gimmick. <laughs> he said it's the real deal. The other interesting thing I learned about uh, the Cavalier Lounge is apparently the Cavalier Lounge is the it place for Thanksgiving Eve and, and Christmas night beer drinking from Butte expats who are back in town for the holidays. Oh. There you go. I uh, talked to a Butte alum who lives 
on the East Coast, she informed me that the Cavalier Lounge is where you go the night before Thanksgiving to meet all your friends. So, Mike, do you think if I went to the Cavalier Lounge, I might be able to see Butte, expat, Colt Anderson? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it from Mike, people. Go, go hang out with Colt Anderson at the Cavalier Lounge in the hotel. <laughs> this is, I've said this for a couple weeks ago. This is the week we're going to find out if people from the Hotel Finland listen to this pottery. <laughs> <laughs> and if Colt Anderson listens yeah, to this These the ads pod. are getting more and more outrageous. Uh, Hey, Colt, if you're listening, sponsor us. We'll pitch the Mo Club every week. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, hotelfinland.com. That's F-I-N-L-E-N.com for great rooms and a great time in Uptown Butte, America. <laughs> All right. So let's talk next year a little bit. You know, we started talking about kind of needs and what's going on. And we can touch on recruits in a little bit. But the Grits have a tough schedule next year. They open at South Dakota, at um, Reserve Valley Football, South Dakota. North Alabama comes to Washington Grizz. North Alabama won seven games this year, but four of them were like against D2s. They did beat Southern Utah. Um, Everybody beat Southern Utah. Every high school almost beat Southern Utah. Okay. <laughs> they called them out. <laughs> then we go to Cupcake, Oregon. Cupcake. Oof. Um, we're the cupcake, I think. <laughs> but we're actually going to go, right? Oh, we're going. That's yeah. That's Pod Trip 2019. Did you guys check with my wife on this? Because no. Oh, okay. We did, Brent. You chose not to go with us to Idaho, <laughs> and your status on invites to these future games is up in the air. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, fair, fair. Um, then we return so, home for Monmouth, who made the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah. Shit, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we opened... At UC Davis, then Idaho State comes to Washington Grizz. We're at Sac State. Eastern comes to Washington Grizz. We're at Portland State. Idaho comes to Washington Grizz. Weber State comes to Washington Grizz. Then we're at Montana State. So on the surface, that we are not going to be accused of having an easy schedule. So right? yeah, for sure. You've got to look at a few things. Davis, uh, Meyer returns. Doss is gone. Um, they're going to be replacing some guys. Idaho State, Guller, the QB, I yeah. think, is gone. And Dean, the little slot receiver, is gone. And the running back with the founding father James name is Madison's gone. Mess. You know, Sacramento State, Bob Stitt's going to be their head coach. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. <laughs> Eastern. Jody Sears was fired just for yeah, those keeping yeah. up. <laughs> You know, Eastern, uh, Eastern, uh, someone had told me, like, Eastern graduates a ton of dudes. Obviously, it's Eastern. They just seem to reload like like crazy. Um, Idaho Weaver in Missoula, that's going to, I mean, glad they're here. But um, this year, bringing the tough teams here didn't necessarily matter. But uh, I don't know. I, but that's another one of those stats that feels like it's got to correct itself a little bit. We're not going to yeah. lose three games at home again next year. It's like. Idaho is trash, right? Like you guys saw Idaho. And, and sorry, Tubbs in the club, Chris Hammond, good, good dude, but Idaho is trash. Uh, Weber State, uh, that's going to be interesting. I mean, what they're building there, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if Jay Hill stays, what they can build towards. Because I'm not saying they feel like they're on an NDSU like track, but. What they're doing, it's like they opened the season. It was like, oh, they lost all these guys to the NFL, 
and they they dropped a game early that they should have won what NAU or somebody right yep and it was just like yep there goes Weaver they're just another flash in the pan and then just with this defense that they run with like a with like what the third worst offense in the whole Big Sky they're the number two seed they're just they're considered the second best team in the nation and you look at the bracket as long as they can handle their business. They should get close to the championship. They should get damn close to the championship. I mean, you know, they get the honor to get their ass kicked by North Dakota State and Texas. So um, The Big Sky Conference is no tougher than it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Weber game is interesting because you could look at it like, oh, they're going to graduate a lot of guys. But it's like, shit, they did that last year. They reloaded just fine. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's one of these things. I mean, they're, Southern Utah is supposed to be tough this year. Yeah, and that's that was one. That's one of my many points here. So I think that right after the cat game, you had a lot of fans like, "This is the end of the world." Yeah, the cats are getting better. We're gonna suck next year. We've got this tough schedule. Da da da. And I don't buy it. Like I think next year's gonna be a hard year. And yeah. I'm not saying we're gonna go undefeated. I'm not saying we're not gonna lose four games. It's twelve game season. I just am willing to say right now that I believe. I'm gonna call it. The Grizz will make the playoffs next year, and they're gonna beat the Cats next year. Putting that out there right now. I like it. I don't disagree at all. Awesome. Because, look, all the things we just talked about, it's like I think people are focusing on the, oh, so many things went wrong this year. But it's like, yeah, and we're a damn young team that had some faults. And, Bobby, how can you're two? You've got to think we're going to fix some and of those things. It's going to be harder for fan, like the, the casual fan to judge the growth, I believe, we're going to see mm-hmm. because of our, our tough schedule. Yep. Because we could end up with four or five losses beat the Cats and make the playoffs, and and I think we're going to find people saying, well, they're, you know, they're still kind of crappy, but I think we can make some big leaps next year and still have an average-looking record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, eight and four, yeah. sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, this feels like an eight and four, nine and three kind of season. Um, but it's like, you think about it for a couple things. Like, A, we've learned that in the big sky, like, Every team you think is going to be good isn't necessarily going to be good. Like right. Sac State this year was supposed to be one of the good ones. Yeah, we've got Eastern, but we've got them at home. Yeah, we've got Weber, but we've got them at home. Yep. Like mm-hmm. you got to like our chances in year two as these guys grow up a little bit to be in those games. Like We were in UC Davis until the fourth quarter. Right. So it's like you look at it from that way, and it's like why can't we compete with these guys? We competed them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that they're gonna they're gonna improve in ways maybe we don't realize. I think their defense is gonna step up. I think it's gonna be tough, but I think our offense, as long as the coaches don't handcuff it, could be the best in the Big Sky. Could be, it absolutely could be. I mean, you've got to get some pieces. You've got a, a, that running game. You've yeah, that's, out, that's, that's has to take uh, a step. I think that's factoring in on a big if of either Eastwood taking a big step in year two. Or them finding another running back. Health comes in. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Um, we could go through the schedule. But let's do that but in We'll this. do it in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, any other thoughts on next year? What do we... Do we think we're going to see any adjustments in the coaching? You know, I was thinking about that actually as I was coming over here... It's interesting because this coaching staff consists of a lot of coaches 
that have a wide array of experience and jobs that were much more prestigious than what they do now. Kent Bear was the interim head coach of Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. He was at D.C. at Washington. He's Notre the one Dame. that always felt to me like a one-year thing. Yeah, at Brent Pease. You know, it's like these kind of guys, it's tough to say. I mean, I wouldn't. you wouldn't necessarily think that an FBS school is necessarily looking to snipe an assistant from a 6-5 and five football team, you know? Um, but... Then you kind of drill down, and it's like you've got some guys that have a lot of long-time experience. Um, so if there's that school that says, hey, I need a guy that's been an OC all over the place before, and it's I'm going to make something up. Say, you know, there's some coaching jumbles, and Boise's coach gets hired away to a Pac-12 job, and Boise brings in a whole new staff, and they say, we need a guy that knows the school, knows the area, knows the recruiting, and has OC experience. Well, Brent Pease might be a great option. So, I mean, there could be – I could see a guy getting hired away, like, with that kind of thing happening, because it tends to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see the whole staff just staying intact, because I didn't really feel like there was, like, this thing where, you know, in the years prior, especially with Bobby and a little bit with Flu – where it was like, man, like, what was it? Bobby went through, well, between Joe Glenn and Bobby Houck, we had like four O-line coaches because we were just had this pipeline rolling of O-line talent and they were doing the right thing and it was just like, what was it? It was like Doran and then Schramm and then Caligus and Germer and it was just like, boom, 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 just like, next guy, next guy, next guy because and they, they were just pumping out talent. Mm-hmm. We're one year in, it was, a you know, it, it wasn't the greatest year by any stretch of the means, so... I, I I don't know. It's tough to say. I have no idea how these asks or these relationships work. And I guess if you've been listening to this pod, you'll understand. I really don't know how anything works. <laughs> but I wonder if when Bobby reaches out to these dudes and says, Hey, we're going to Montana. Like, are you coming with me? If it's like a, you need to give me a two-year you need to give me a three-year. Do you think there's any... Do you guys have any sense that when you're starting anew, that happens? Mm. Or is it like, take the best job you can get off? I, Bobby strikes me as a take-the-best-job-you-can-get I agree. Guy. I agree. And, and my thought is, is I'm going to guess someone's going to leave. You know, it, it, it's some, it, it, it might be for greener pastures. It might be for... My money's not there. I just he doesn't have any ties to this place. Yeah, it's just doing it with Bobby. My money's kind of on him. Pease, you know, he and his wife are both alums. Yeah, they've been a lot of places. They have. He's made good money. Like yep. he could, it could just be, maybe he just wants to spend some time here, and he might want to hang out for a year or two and test the waters and see if Bobby really is here for the long term. Yeah, for sure. Because him being here would make him very likely to to be the next head coach. Sure. Kind of like Flugrad, who got passed over a couple of times and then finally came and joined Houck's staff as wide receivers coach for a year because he was there. And yep. he, the inside guy, you know, the way Montana hires coaches, we've talked about it, the the guys with the connection to the school are the ones that get the job. Yeah. So, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for the most part. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you could, you could flip it and say... I mean, so right now, Colorado's interviewing guys, right? 
and Bo Baldwin out of Cal is rumored to be a potential candidate. Uh-huh. If Bo Baldwin gets hired, he's probably going to look across the big sky with oh, yeah. some guys he remembers. Yep. And I'm not saying that this could happen, but I mean, if you're looking for a good running back coach and a guy with recruiting that's going to know mm-hmm. the Mountain West, Justin Green. Justin Green could be a damn fine. There player. were some rumors that Justin Green was was under strong consideration for Oregon State last year. Yeah. So well, and then you know Ty Gregorak. I mean, we you could expand this beyond mm-hmm. just the the Grizz. Like Gregorak could be a, a good Baldwin DC hire. You know, yeah. and it's like so. And again. What NAU NAU's interviewing for a head coach, right? Yeah. So it's like there are some open states interviewing for a head coach. Hi, Northern Colorado is interviewing allegedly for everything except a head coach. Which you know, just so boggles my mind. <laughs> so there, there's going to be a lot of things where you could just see that type of thing where where a guy might just jump for an opportunity, and especially if it's a pack school like. The Grizz assistant pay versus the assistant pay at a pack. I mean, you know, the running backs coach at Oregon State's making more than Bobby Howe. Yeah. So it's like if that happens, and it, if it's Justin Green, if it's Shan Schellinger, if it's, it's Kent Bear, or if it's Brent Pease, or whoever, and they get that type of job, I mean, how do you pass that up? I mean, you that's don't. Tough you take it. And, it, and that's like good for them because they've proven that they are they're better than the position and the spot that they're in, and they're going to go somewhere and make up. Yeah, Pease is another guy who could throw his name in the ring at Northern Arizona, absolutely, or Sac State. I oh, mean. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And then, you know, you've got Idaho State with the Grizz Coach Connection. So it's like, there'll be definitely some coach musical chairs. And it's like, there are some things that might land here. Like Andy Thompson, if he doesn't get the head coaching job at NAU, you know, maybe he comes back and ends up on the Grizz staff somewhere. So interesting things to to kind of follow on that front. It's, it's going to be a fascinating offseason because you have a lot of Grizz connections that are potentially unemployed right now. I mean, NAU had a lot, has a lot of, has a handful of Grizz connections there. SAC had a few as well, too. Um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. So, yeah. But that's just the coaching carousel. We'll see. Well, anything else on Grizz next season? I mean, there'll be plenty of things to talk about throughout the, throughout the offseason. But uh, not right now. I mean, I'm, I just think that Grizz fans should be more optimistic than I think their gut tells them right now. So... That's that's what I think about that. I agree. So what's what's next, Luke? Probably the favorite part of my week. <laughs> Would that be the BWR? Is it the BWR? It is the BWR. Brent, right. how do you feel about the BWR? <laughs> I'm going to defer my answers to my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> All right, public so defender my isn't public your defender. attorney. <laughs> <laughs> the people's attorney. <laughs> so so uh, for those who are new to the pod, the BWR is when we uh, ask Brent to name his top fives of any random subject as quickly as he can. I hate this because I always get it wrong and then but, I get blasted but you, for being we, wrong. We get great conversations out there. Great <laughs> All right. conversations. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, Brent, I want your top five all-time villains. Ooh. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Alright. Oh, you have five of your own? Okay. No, I no. got a BWR <laughs> he's, question. He's got the next BWR. <laughs> you said you had none. <laughs> Alright, uh, okay. Good, because I got four others. This is going to be a great BWR. <laughs> Alright, well, so I'm a Star Wars dork, so Darth Vader. Alright. Uh, the Joker. Uh, probably the best Batman villain, right? Um, you know, I'm an 80s kid, so I'll say Lex Luthor. Cause, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that's an interesting... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor was like completely, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Different kind of supervillain than what you see now. Oh, man. See, I just go straight to superheroes. I mean, uh, you know, Thanos is kind of a, a, kind of like a reigning badass villain right now. And then, let me think. That's four. feeling a little stumped on the rest of this. I watch so many superhero movies too. I can just I, I feel like if I grab a random name I'm gonna be marginalized by somebody else. So I got this idea from a, a Facebook friend of mine who just posted it. Okay, Megatron. I'll say Megatron since I blew up on the Transformers movie. Yeah, you're good there. Okay. Um a couple other interesting candidates that came up in this thread. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah. Um Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Oh, I was going to say that, but then I was like, it's got to be Voldemort, not Dolores. See, but Voldemort, no, she's like, like yeah, but she's no, like no. one of those evil people uh, that it's like you cut. I'm not going to draw any comparisons to modern day politics, but like, but you can't. But she's like the Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's like, <laughs> she knows better. Like yeah. she knows she's lying. You know, she knows she's having those kids right in their arms. She's still doing it. Um, uh, oh, Ursula. She's the Kristen Ursula. Um, um, uh, Satan came up occasionally. Oh. Uh, there were a couple other good ones. Walter White from the Breaking Bad. Ooh. Is a villain? Yeah, I mean. Because yeah. he, like, you know, if you watch that series, like, you start out and you think this is just this nice guy, but by the end, you recognize, like, he's pure evil. <laughs> yeah. He has, like, these very legitimate reasons to make and sell meth <laughs> at the beginning. And then at some point in time, He's making active decisions yeah. to be better at selling meth. Yeah, he's yeah. like financially stable. He's beat meth, and he's still cancer. Beat cancer. They say what I say. You I said, said beat, beat meth. meth. Oh, nobody beats meth. No one beats meth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> good, good one, Mike. Well, we're good there. Hey, next up, Brent, <laughs> name your top five. Thanksgiving meal sides. That was one of mine. That was only on my list. Awesome. <laughs> I had a life-changing green bean casserole <sighs> that instead of cream, I talked to Mike about this. Instead of you talk, on board. It was so life-changing. <laughs> you've already talked to Mike about it. Hey, Mike. I just like, like how did this conversation go? Hey, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> Hey, I'm at Thanksgiving. I just need you to know. I got a Ziploc baggie of this casserole. I stole some just for you. <laughs> no, that would have been great. That did not happen. I told Mike, and he was like, why didn't you save me any? This is, <laughs> instead of cream and mushroom, it was like cheese. It was like mozzarella and all sorts of different types of cheese. Whoa. Game changer. And then it was instead of uh, French fry or the caramel onions, onions on the top, it was uh, cornflakes. And it was just like, it was it was mind-altering. So this this new type of, Green bean casserole. I will number one. Who who made it? Do you know who made it? Might be a loyal pod listener's wife. So yes. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get that. Uh, I need this recipe. Yeah. Let's get that recipe. Yeah. So and I might put some frosted cornflakes because <laughs> <laughs> diabetes runs in my family. And we love our sugar. Oh lord. Uh, you know I'm a simple guy. Uh, bread. You know you got to get the bread rolls. Like you know like yep. a good tasty roll in there. Um, okay. I like cranberries, so I know some people don't like them, but uh, give me cranberries. Not a cranberry fan. See, I'm the not band? a fan. I'm not. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a stuffing guy. So oh, I love stuffing. Oh, God, I hate stuffing. Stuffing is gravy a side or a 
Yeah, mashed. Uh, I'll go mashed potatoes and gravy, and then uh, what's it? The sweet potato uh, with the friggin' melted mushrooms and stuff. Uh, not mushrooms. Oh God, marshmallows. Yeah. Melted yeah. marshmallows. Melted marshmallows. Yeah. A sweet potato. That's a good one. Al Roker calls it sweet potato poon. I'm not sure if you saw that. <laughs> did you see that? No, I did not. <laughs> it was making the rounds. He was like sharing his grandma's sweet potato poon. <laughs> Twitter had a heyday with it. <laughs> Oh, Twitter's such a cruel place. <laughs> well, good, that's a good list. That's, uh, there you go. I'll take that. Um, Brent, I need your top five Nintendo video games of all time. Okay. Like, of all Anything consoles? that carries the Nintendo name. No, not all consoles. Anything Nintendo. All Nintendo consoles. Because every couple of years... Nintendo's like the genius marketers to our age demographic. Because every couple of years they come up with a new console that plays all the old games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... Uh, Legend of Zelda. Final Fantasy. The uh, Are these Nintendo games? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Oh, are you talking Nintendo brand games? Yeah, because like once I played on friggin' well, like Zelda like started on yeah Zelda. Remember the old cartridge? It was gold. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, yep. so Zelda. Yeah. All right, so like Nintendo brand though, like okay, so when the Wii came out, the mm-hmm. uh, the Wii like the tennis. Uh, oh yeah, and, and those uh, those were pretty good. Um, let's see, uh, Mario Party. That's that's a great way to hate, yeah. hate all your friends. Yeah, uh, Mario Kart. Mar- I was gonna say Mario Kart was like an all time college party game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the, n- the new ones are pretty fun. I play with my kids, and they like kick their ass at it. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and gosh, you know, on the Switch, I played this uh, this this Mario Kingdoms. It was, it was a pretty decent little game. I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank of like trying to stick with the whole Mario Nintendo theme. But I'm surprised. You know, the, some of the old Mario ones. I mean, like Mario World. Like I like Mario. World. That's what I was gonna say. I'm Mario surprised. Mario World Three was my favorite for some stupid. I like that unknown too. reason. But two was weird. One was you know the th- fine. The three was cool because I really liked some of the levels, like the Egyptian level, level eight. I think is what it was. <laughs> You could save your progress too, kind of, you know, like you didn't have to completely restart. I love the magic flute you know, <laughs> that you could get and like jump levels. I couldn't figure out half the damn suits that he got, you know, I was like, he turns Oh, yeah, the raccoon. Fucking, what the fuck? Like, that didn't, yeah, yeah. And you just fly willy nilly. You just like hit him with your tail. I was gonna say the rec, yeah. Mario Bros, Super Mario Bros. See, I never did Smash Bros. Duck Hunt. That was yeah, Duck Hunt was good. I never did Smash Bros. I know that's like the thing now. Uh, never. Maybe I'll get that and kick my kids' ass at that. I just found out something new about Duck Hunt. Did you know you could? Cur- I know that you were a duck hunter this weekend, which I had no idea was in you. But <laughs> the ducks were in. I told Mike this. The ducks were in no more danger with me out there <laughs> than if I would have stayed home. I scared a lot of ducks. Um, but in the game Duck Hunt, the second controller on Duck Hunt could control the ducks. So if you were savvy, you could have. The, con- the controller pad in your hand, and you could be juking out your buddy. Huh. That is definitely something that I'm surprised you didn't know, because you would have definitely been the kid who subtly had the second controller <laughs> and was just <laughs> fucking around with whoever else was there. Early internet, I go like, I don't know what it was. What was... Alta Vista? 
Alta Vista. Netscape? <laughs> I think it could have been Netscape. Netscape. There you go. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball on N64. <laughs> I just searched it for some reason, thinking that there might be cheat codes, and there was. Of course there was. You could hit pause and do this elaborate set of commands when Ken Griffey Jr. came to the plate, and he would call his shot to center field, and no matter where the pitch was, if you swung, you would hit a home run. I have a brother who's eight years younger than me, so when I'm like 14... And he's six. He was so frustrated. <laughs> and he had no idea why I could hit home runs on command. Perfect. All right, sorry. That's fine. That's amazing. Um, uh, last one, Brent, right. to wrap it up. Right. Tis the season. Yeah. I need to know your top five Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Did you guys also have a conversation about this? <laughs> I watched one with Sally Field that was life changing. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. They often are all about a woman who's in a small town for some reason and gives up her career because she falls in love with a guy who lives in small town America. Yeah. And Santa's involved. Well, Santa's involved. <laughs> And I don't know any of their names, so this was more to see your reaction. <laughs> I was going to say, I have no clue. If suddenly Santa's not on your list, I don't want to talk to you. Suddenly Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I want you just to make up five titles. <laughs> like, be like, Jingle Bells. Just think anything Christmas, like the mistletoe in. Yeah, it's gotta be something like, uh, with a, like a romantic ish yeah. tie. Reindeer right? all the way. Uh, I saw one called Santa and the Sailor. <laughs> I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. Right? That sounds like a home. Okay, uh, Brent. What? Oh, bonus! <laughs> Name your five. Uh, your the five current head coaches that you would love as a Green Bay Packers head coach next year. <laughs> you asked me this like two weeks ago. Well, but maybe things have changed. Uh, 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 what's the guy? The New England Patriots. Uh, McDermott. McDaniel's. McDaniel's. That guy too. Uh, hell, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, <laughs> anybody with an offense. Bob Stitch. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we could steal McVay away from the Rams, yeah. I'd love that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that one's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, stranger stuff has happened. Um, God. That's, like, the weird thing with the NFL, is it seems like the like some of the best hires are, like, these guys, like, just... They kind of come from out of nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't, um, I can think of more guys I don't want to have <laughs> that are going to be, like, finalists. Because it seems like sometimes NFL coaching carousel is, like, NBA coaching carousel. Where it's like, oh, PJ Carlissimo is coming back. And it's just like, God. Uh, so, I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just go with Cliff Kingsbury. Nice work. Bob Stitt. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach. Bob Stitt, OC. Um, they can keep the current DC, and uh, they'd probably win like one game the next year. <laughs> this, is, this is this has been 
This has been fun, and uh, <laughs> I definitely think the BWR was the best addition we made to this 100%. podcast all year long. The, the way it makes Brent so uncomfortable, all the places we get to go with it. I'm like, the I, best content is from the BWR. I come in, I'm like research, and I have pages and notes, my computer's in front of me, and you're like, give me some fucking Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, in in pod comments from people who listen, um, two things have come up to me recently. One, uh, somebody told me they disagree with my take on how toilet paper should be placed. So that was from the check down a couple weeks ago. Um, and somebody else picked up on our minor hotel joke. <laughs> what kind of hotel are you staying at? So these people are listening. And I've had some people inform me that they're fans of the pod and came and found me and introduced me to uh, other family members that listen to the pod. And so I was going to bring this up. Now's as good a time as any to talk about this. And I mean, I get I, there's some you know loyal Grizz fans that have texted me a few times, wondering if we're recording the pod. So. I had a buddy text me last week and say that it has genuinely become a weekly look forward to. <laughs> um, I, I think I think that's one of the reasons we do it. We'll talk more about that at the end. I heard from someone working um, for Eastern Washington that they listen to the pod weekly for their football uh, enterprise. So that's kind of exciting. Um... Well, should we not hate on this Eastern? I was going to say, we can be a side Eastern pod. Uh, <laughs> they got this D tackle that's pretty good. Well, this is going to be the reason that UM shuts us down. You're giving away information at Eastern guys. <laughs> Lock it down. Cease and desist. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Brett, let's talk playoffs a little bit. Let's do it. So. The other frustrating part of our season is that if we'd won, we would have made the playoffs. Yep, we would have. We would have been playing Incarnate Word. The Cats get Incarnate Word, who went 6-4. and four. In the Southland? In the Southland. Shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. Then lost their starting QB. The Cats destroy them. I mean, and then they're going to go to North Coast. And we're going to have to listen to the offseason of how they went to the playoffs and won a game. Yep. And it's like... We would have destroyed Incarnate Word. Sac State would have destroyed Incarnate Word. <laughs> That's the way it goes, though. You, you, yep. I mean, um, yeah, no, so first round, but I mean, so big big takeaways from the first round. Okay, so if the Grizz would have won and got in, I don't think we would have been in the same position to then go to NDSU because we uh, did not play Eastern. We did not play Weber. We probably would have, we would have been. We yeah. would have been stacked up, so we would have been facing... Stony Brook, Southeast Missouri, or we would have been facing Nichols or San Diego, probably. But still, regardless, we didn't get in. We, you know, uh, the way the season went, we and credit to the Cats because yeah. the last two years, that last Big Sky team that's got in, who got the fluff game in the first round, has lost. Yeah. So yeah, and then you've got um, and I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway yeah. is we have four teams alive in the final sixteen, the Big Sky Conference, which. I don't know when the last time that really happened. Well, no, usually the Big Sky looks like shit in the first round. Like, one team escapes and one but has a bye. The fact that we yeah. have three teams with byes. So it's kind of joking about Bobby saying that the Big Sky Conference isn't that different from where we were last time. It's like, it's I don't believe that there were ever three teams in the top eight the last time Bobby was here, and none of them were Montana. <laughs> well, you look at it. Weaver's a two-seed. 
Eastern's a three seed. Davis is a six seed. Cats are an at large. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically saying that, you know, three of the top six teams are big sky teams in the country based upon the playoff committee vote. I mean, I, that's. I really hope that our three seeded teams win because yeah. I, I think that it would do such good for the conference to have. To have those teams earn those seeds and to all advance. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, so this is the big this this weekend. Like it, with so, and this is another thing. Um, of course, what the Colonial, the CAA, sends five. Yeah. Four lost. Yep. And the only one that survived played another CAA. Beat team. another CAA team. <clears throat> So, uh, kind of interesting, but you know, it, it was a, it was a real funky year. I mean, in years prior, a seven and four didn't get in, and in this year, a six and four get and a six and five get in. So it, it's I know uh, there's I think you and I again because for some reason Northern Iowa could win like three games and get into the damn playoffs for some reason. But hey, the Grizzlies hey, win over a playoff team. Yeah, yeah prop, but props to you and I too because they won their game, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, but you know, it's, uh, the colonial sends all these teams and it, they kind of did what the big sky does. Like they get a bunch of seven, eight win teams that kind of squeak in a bunch of at larges and everyone points out, well, you know, in September, each one beat each other. So they're all kind of good. And then they go on the road and, uh, you know, James Madison is the only one still alive. They beat Delaware, you know, Towson goes down, uh, Elon goes down, uh, who are the other ones? Um, Stony Brook out, and uh, and that, that's uh, I'm missing somebody, but uh, ETSU yeah. ETSU lost to oh yeah Jacksonville ETSU State. and ETSU gets bounced out by Jacksonville. So, uh, but now you know. So this is uh, this weekend. I mean, I'm cheering for three of the four Big Sky teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's where I am. You know, so like you go down the line. Um, Weber State's playing Southeast Missouri. Uh, it's in Weber. I just, it's kind of funny because it's like Weber's offense statistically is so bad that I just, I just worry that they're going to catch a game where someone scores 28 points and Weber doesn't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like they've had games where they've scored more than that and they've done fine. And so hopefully that that, that goes well. Um, Davis plays our old friends, Northern Iowa. In Davis, that one is kind of funny because it feels like there's going to be a Big Sky team, like we have the one every year that should be good, should do a lot, and then just gets blitzed by somebody. Yep. And that to me feels like the game where you and I. I don't know why it's like Davis should beat them. Like, well, you know. it's kind of like when when Portland State made the playoffs a few years ago. They've <laughs> got a seed, and, and you and I trucked them. Yeah. Trucked them in Portland. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. NAU last year they get in and they're they're playing non scholarship San, San Diego. They lose by thirty one points. You know, and then Eastern's got uh, has got Nichols State, and I think Nichols was I believe weren't that Nichols was the winner of the Southland. But you know, Southland teams usually come to die in the big to the Big Sky teams. In the playoffs. not more so, regionalization. But yeah, the good. thing about that team, I I kind of looked through their their win-loss record, and they score a lot of points. Nichols? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that strength on strength, yeah. right? Well, yeah. so you got Eastern. You're going to be starting a sophomore quarterback in his fifth or sixth game. And 
if you go back, Weber State won the Big Sky based on that kid having a, a rough day. Um, could it happen again? Yeah, it could. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would think Eastern will win, but it, it's just fine. Maybe we're just snake bit from watching the Big Sky lay an egg in the playoffs because yeah. it's like it really would be nice. It would be nice to see that, and you know, um, yeah, I cats don't stand a chance, right? I no. mean, cats are twenty eight and a half point huh. underdogs. <laughs> I don't think that's enough points. <laughs> well, we had this conversation when Cal Poly played North Dakota State. Remember, we were like, that's impossible. And North Dakota State. There's not enough time in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> North Dakota State did it. So um, that's the thing about at the Cats. It's like I said, they, their formula beats average teams. Yep. And I, they, there's just no way. Like, there's, just, there's just no way they're going to get behind and that they're going to get exposed on offense, and they're going to get destroyed. So, and n- not saying, I mean, that last time the Grizz were in the playoffs, North Dakota State destroyed them. So I'm not. That's not. Well, and this is this is a little bit like it's it's loose, but it's a little bit of a fascinating parallel where the 2015 Montana Grizzlies get to the playoffs, going seven and four, beating the, the Cats. Cats for the third year in a row, and at that point. Grizz fans were pounding our chest. The new dynasty is here. Of course, at that point, Ash is then fired. Uh, so the Cats are undergoing change. But it's like we beat you three years in a row. We get the cupcake first round, and then we go to North Dakota, and we get the shit kicked out of us. We haven't seen the playoffs since, or beat the Cats since. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Cats are on their third win with over the Grizz. There's a lot of differences, but it's just kind of an interesting thing for these Grizz fans. Like, there's people tweeting to me. Or posting on the message boards afterwards that this is like a, a program killer that the the cats have beat the Grizz three years. Ago. <laughs> it's like and it's like holy cow! Calm it's down. like go back to twenty fifteen. It was no. like we we won three in a row and we're like look it, here we go to the playoffs and then it was like everything fell apart. I had a, we're still a tweet stream of conscious about this to, to minty hot take an eight uh, <laughs> earlier this week because um, it drives me nuts. Like the cats have beat the Grizz three times in a row and I hate it. And the Cats should be pumped. I mean, three wins in a row is three wins in a row. Of those three wins, the last two games, the Cats beat the Grizz. They, 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 they found their weaknesses. They knew that we were flawed schematically, and mm-hmm. they beat the Grizz. This year, they got lucky. Mm-hmm. And to act like this is somehow like there's this huge gap between the two, no. In year three of Choked, the Cats got lucky to beat the Grizz in one of the worst Grizz seasons in the last 30 years. Deep down at places, Cat fans don't talk about at parties. <laughs> they know. They know. They know. There's an insecurity sitting back there, and they know it. They know that they should have taken more advantage of this down period. I'm not saying they're not getting better, but... They should have really taken advantage of these last three years. Yep. So it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I might have to tune into that cat game. Might be cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> but but you go back to these brackets. The fascinating setup is the big the three big sky powers are on one side. And I hate so that's so sucks. But 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 so I mean, North Dakota State. If you play it out, if you look at seeds, let's. Just, they're going to beat the Cats. I mean, they're going to face the winner of James Madison and Colgate. Yeah. You know, and, and then, but then they might face South Dakota State. 
or presumably Kennesaw State, who is, so it's like they they've got a they've got a path that's easy where if Eastern Davis and Weaver take care of business, Eastern will play Davis, and if Weaver wins their next game against I guess Maine maybe they'll play the winner of Eastern and Davis. So you're gonna have the Big Sky teams punching each other out in the semi in the quarters in the semis. To just, like I said earlier, set up your the honor to get the app, your ass kicked by North Dakota State. You know what's interesting is like the playoffs, I'm so frustrated by regionalization because I feel like it just, it, it, it kind of goes against the spirit of what a playoff should be because it's like you should just seat everybody and, you know, hammer it out. But if this first round needs to be what it is where they get a bunch of teams in there and 16 teams play and they bid for home games and stuff like that, what they should do is they should seed the top eight like they do yeah. Right? It's top six, I think, isn't it? I think it's top eight, because the top eight get buys. You're right. Eight. Never mind. Um, My bad. So they should seed the top eight, and then everybody else who plays that first weekend, then they should, at the end of the weekend, right? So Saturday night, they should figure out, of the eight teams that won and the 16 teams that played that Saturday, oh. then they should seed them the rest of the way. Oof. It wouldn't be that complicated, because you're not taking any more teams. There's no difference in finding out a week early where you're going, right? So it's like we already know one through eight, so then they should take the remaining eight teams that survived and say, okay, you're nine, you're ten, you're eleven, and, and do a tournament. No. Why? Why? What about this? Why is that any more terrible than, than us always having to go to Eastern or North Dakota State? <laughs> well, because if we get back to the plane we are hoping to be back at... Uh-huh. We will just be outbidding people. No, well, I'm saying you'd still it. outbid the first game. You put one game, I want to outbid them all. Well, but that's you're only outbidding one game right now. Yeah, I suppose. So I like the idea of keeping the first round like it is mm-hmm. with the bid process. But then afterwards, I don't like to just seed. I like the idea of being like North Dakota State looking at the rest of the field. And getting to call Big out one. who they want to play. Oh like, you're on the clock. North Dakota State, you have five minutes. Who do you want? <laughs> yes. Boy, that would be fascinating. And record that call. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, you know what? Uh, like, so-and-so's, you know, kind of ranked oh, Luke, number I like it. three. I like it. But we don't oh, care. Like we it. want it. NCAA, we've got two great ideas for you guys to consider. <laughs> Either one will work. I would subscribe. I would pay ten bucks to watch... Like that whole system, you have the coaches on on like a Zoom, uh-huh. so you can see their faces. Yep. Would this turn into the voice though? Like you get saves and steals and all sorts of random stuff. Like don't that. complicate it, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't complicate it. Just straightforward. All right, who do you want? North Dakota State picks their team and on down, and then it's like, oh man, we'll really know who coaches think's the worst. You know, team. About burying the lead in journalism. This is the best part of the pod, <laughs> and it is in the last five minutes of what's inevitably going to be a two-hour pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Brent, the serious college football fan, is not impressed with our this ideas. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. This is the worst thing no, you've ever heard. Not. Are you not entertained? <laughs> the sanctity of FCS oh, playoff man. football. Anything else on the playoffs? I mean, no. North Dakota State is going to win it again. I just I don't so see good. anybody touching them. They're so damn good. Will um, Easton Stick get drafted? Later rounds, not like Wentz, but he'll get drafted. Not like Wentz. The only thing, 
South Dakota State, like, they know how to play them, you know? And they beat them once this year. It'd be interesting if SDSU played NDSU. I think that'd be a hell of a game, and the winner of that would probably win the... the yep. And it, it, it'll most likely be NDSU. Yeah. A yeah. Um, couple other interesting notes on football before we wrap that up. Um, just other things to consider. A lot of rumors are that Utah State's coach is going to get a better job, Matt Wells. Hmm. If Utah State's coach gets a better job, I have to think that Jay Hill is at least a candidate at Utah State. Utah State hired Jay Hill, please. Right? Please. So, you know, talk about coaching dominoes in the big sky. Something to watch for. Um, other than that, I think that we're going we're gonna to have some exciting stuff for you all throughout the football offseason. We'll definitely talk a little bit of Grizz basketball. We're not going to do it weekly, but you'll definitely hear from us. We can't do a weekly two-hour pod on Grizz basketball. basketball. It's just not the same. Um, I think you'll probably only hear from us once in December. Signing day is – early signing day is December 19th. So we'll probably record a pod sometime that week and get that out. Yep. And then we'll figure out some sort of regular schedule for the Big Sky Conference basketball season. Um, to get you guys some good content, and then we'll be in the spring ball, and it'll be it'll be time to go. And I think that the basketball team is going to be hella fun to watch. They almost won their tournament in the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, they, minus two, minus both minus falls. Minus two starters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they came back and only lost by three points. Um, they beat my beat Miami of Ohio in that game, and interestingly, Incarnate Word they beat as well. So that's right. We beat them before the Cats beat them. Um, they play Creighton. Wednesday, so the pod probably will be out after that. So tell us how it went, guys. <laughs> I'm interested in that game because Creighton and the Grizz share a common opponent, Georgia Southern. Yeah. And Creighton beat Destroyed. them by 24, yeah. 26. They scored 90. The Grizz beat uh, Georgia Southern by 7. Georgia Southern, no, we lost. We, we Georgia State. Georgia State. State. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. We lost to Georgia Southern. We beat Georgia State. Georgia State. Yep. So we both have wins against this common opponent, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that teams necessarily see the Grizz coming yet. Yeah, I mean, the sooner or later they're going to. But it, if they could pull off an upset of Creighton, that'd be big. Creighton just upset a top twenty-five team. Yeah. We've got like South Dakota State, North Dakota State in December. I mean, yep. the Grizz Hoops team, they don't play a lot of December games. I think they've got, what, three over the stretch of like three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really going to pick up in January, but um, th- this team could be something real special. It's kind of funny, a, a little segue to football post Grizz Cat. You know, wallowing in defeat, and the uh, cat fans are pouring through it, overjoyed with the brawl win. And but they're pointing out that this is their best sports moment of the year because they full well know that their basketball teams are going to get the shit kicked out of them by the Grizz. So There's, I heard that repeatedly from cat fans. I saw their basketball team <laughs> on Saturday in the Grizz airport, uh-huh. or excuse me, Grizz airport. <laughs> I saw MSU's basketball team in the Minneapolis airport on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and I was wearing a maroon Grizz sweater, a Grizz cap, and we walked right by each other, and I high-fived them all, and I was like, hi, come on, good luck, and I think they were just so pleased that someone was giving them encouragement that they were high-fiving a Grizz fan. They seemed genuinely... Pleased, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you guys need a little more affirmation." <laughs> I saw a ranking this week that the Grizz are number like fifty-four in all of college basketball, nice. and the Bobcats are three fifty. <sighs> so you guys can take your fucking lucky win. 
and work on it all off season because I know it would get me through it. But we are going to kick your ass in basketball this year. <laughs> Travis needs to back up Bobby, right? I mean, it's kind of like an attack on one is an attack on all. Yeah. Like, like Travis I, can't pull the dogs off. I think Bobby could learn a couple things from Travis. I think Travis is. When it's all said and done, he's a coach that we're going to look back and be amazed that he was here. Yeah. As he is such a mentor of those young men on that team, I I just, I'm a fan. Yeah. Same here. So anyway, we'll do some Grizz basketball throughout the the offseason or through the Grizz basketball season. Um, And I think it should be a lot of fun. We're not going to commit to every week because you guys don't want to hear us that much. (laughs) Um, We'll see you in December. And I think that's all I got. Luke, anything from you? Nope. Brent, anything from you? No, I'm good. All right. Well, we know you. We'll see you sooner. If not, we'll talk to you soon. Go Grizz. Right on.